It's that time again for the assault on your ears we call Lower Dorks, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I'm Aaron, and with me is Stavros. Tonight on our screens is episode 8 of season 2, I X Cretus. And in our cups is a Moscow Mule. Yes, indeed. And if you didn't know, a Moscow Mule is made up of ginger beer, vodka, and lime juice. I'm using Tito's Vodka just because that's a brand that I like. And I have to say that I, I generally like this cocktail. Um, I'm pretty familiar with it. So this is not my first my first Moscow Mule, but pretty tasty, and uh, I'm ready to talk about this episode, this cup in my hand. Indeed. Limes and gingers uh, seems to be our uh, theme for this season. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I didn't think that think of that, but it seems appropriate somehow. I'm not sure how, but we're going to make it work. <laughs> but let's talk about this episode. So, the Cerritos is thrown into disarray when a Pandronian drill instructor arrives and forces the lower deckers and senior staff through outrageous drills based on the exploits of famous Starfleet crews. But she herself has a sinister private agenda that threatens everyone involved. Let's talk about this episode. I want to talk about the cold open first. So that, you know, if you recall, it's the main cast that has beamed to a satellite. You know, they're they're fixing this satellite and kind of admiring the view. And then the Cerritos gets a distress call and warps out. So first off, you know, the main cast, I mean, I get it. It's a it's TV show with the main cast, but they seem to be on a lot of the same missions together. Not that I mind. It's hilarious that they all get screwed in the same way. But right, maybe it's just because they're all on the same shift. Yeah. It's, Same shift. It's, it's more, it looks like yeah. they organize their people around teams. You know, they're not just randomly assigning people together. Yeah, that's true. I guess they are a cross-functional team. I, I do want to make one commentary on this. When they get back to the ship after, you know, the Cerritos inevitably returns, it would be a uh, short series if it never did. <laughs> the comment yes. is made, well, if you had checked out your magnetic boots like, <laughs> boots like you're supposed to, <laughs> none of this would have happened. Yes. The implication... <laughs> that seems like a technicality. Yeah. Very small technicality. Yeah, but you basically just told your crew that you care more about the boots than you do them. Like, yeah, we keep track of the boots. <laughs> you guys? <laughs> That's what I mean, right? Like, I feel like, you know, Freeman... Captain Freeman has some logistical issues to iron out if they completely forgotten a away team. <laughs> like, in the vacuum yeah, of space. It, That's it just, feels like it's all you would have to do time. is, like ship are all crew members aboard and the ship would be all like yes i mean that's that's a terrible voice uh but you know <laughs> is that how the computer no sounds? no it sounds like yes uh, Majel roddenberry depending on the series yeah i feel like that's that's got to be sop for starfleet ships you know they've got to you know before they complete a mission they've got to somebody's got to perform a check somebody's doing it and somebody's not doing it on the cerritos yeah i i feel like that's got to be the case but something else about the cold open freeman's go uh, go to warp phrase is warp me how do you feel about that hey you know what whatever floats your boat yeah that did not float my boat i think she needs to start thinking of something well, i mean it's better than janeway's there's coffee in that nebula wait no that wasn't janeway's <laughs> warp my bad, my bad. <laughs> there's coffee and then Thomas is like well okay all right and he just hits go oh man all right well let's let's move on and talk about the pandronian drill instructor the Pandronians we've seen once before in Star Trek canon, and that is from the animated series episode BEM. Um, and if you've seen that episode, Kirk and Spock and company have a Pandronian observer who has an honorary title of commander. And he does not care about anything that Kirk and company do until they beam down into a potential prime directive violation scenario and puts them all in danger. Basically, like, makes their equipment defective and just to see how, like, what will happen. 
and sort of similar to what yeah, happens in this episode. It's the same the- basic premise, and I thought it was weird yeah. <laughs> that they just chose a random race from a one-off TAS, but yeah, there's a parallel there. It's basically telling the same story of somebody who is out of their depth doing something that they don't know enough about to be doing i know (laughs) it's funny because they you know we talked before about the planet of the hats trope and apparently all pendronians are jerks that are inexperienced but think they are in the overconfident khaki sobs (laughs) but yeah i do i do say i will say this though i am glad that they dropped the pandronian voice because oh god it was bad in the original series it was not good no i mean (laughs) they didn't do any good voices Yes, sir. I am an alien, sir. <laughs> it's becoming more and more charming going back to watch the animated series. Oh. Just because of ridiculous voices like that. But yeah, I'm glad that they made the update for, for this episode. Uh, the character's name, by the way, is Sherry Yen Yem. Although Mariner has kind of like weird nicknames for her. I think at one point she calls her Sherry Bing Bang. Um, amongst other things, so like I'm like I'm watching. I'm like, is that racist? I can't tell. Yeah, I, I feel like that was a slur, Mariner. <laughs> Once again, Mariner, get it together, proving Mariner. how insufferable she is. <laughs> I do want to know though. You're so right. like you know when when it separates apart, the hands come out of like the lower body part, which was yes. all a caveat to the original episode that they appeared in, where you know the legs needed to do something and. What are they going to do with the toes? Right. But that I can accept. But why do the parts hover? Is, Great is question. the Pandronian body, except for the legs, like neutrally buoyant? I'm I'm just... So many questions. Unexplained. Yes. I'll have to get uh, Mike McMahon on the horn and ask him like, how exactly Pandronians work. I don't think he knows. I think he probably just said that's how they work so. and I'm rolling with it. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right there. But speaking of these drills, well, actually, you know, we talked a little bit before the show about Pandronian, this Pandronian, and how she is perhaps less a an instructor. I mean, she's referred to as a drill instructor at the beginning of the show, but when she comes in, she's got the kind of like fake corporate elation and intonations and stuff. Yeah. So she kind of seems more like a like a motivational yep. speaker, sort of. And her drills not useful at all. Definitely not. Yeah. Well, that's a separate problem potentially. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can see, I mean, she mentions in the show that maybe Starfleet doesn't need her services anymore. And you kind of see why. Maybe she needs a little bit of work. But she's upset at the end, so I guess it's all fine. Yeah, she gets revealed total fake. Like a fraud, yeah, basically, a fraud. right? She can't handle real scenarios, and her drill scenarios are garbage anyway. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of the drills, I want to talk about this. and We're going to go into a little bit of minutia that's in freeze-frame minutia, if you will. But it's really interesting. Stuff that's cool to talk about. There is a section, a, a portion of the show near the start where they're showing scoreboards yes. and they have a lot of the crew members' names and stuff on there. And we actually get to see uh, Jen, the Andorian Jen's uh, last name. And her last name is Shireyan. I think I'm saying that right. And the reason why it's cool to say that is because the way that uh, this is portrayed is like 100% in line with soft canon Star Trek uh, lore about Andorians. I know this is right down your alley. Do you want to talk about this? I don't know why you would think anything about Andorians. The best race in Star Trek. 
would be right <laughs> up my alley. I know. But yeah, so the Andorians have like a really weird biology, and depending on how much you accept the beta canon, even in alpha canon, they don't have veins. So like when they had to be injected, they had to be injected intramuscularly. Beta canon implies that they don't actually have a skeleton. They have an exoskeleton. They have supposedly Mm. have four sexes. I don't know how that would ever work biologically. Maybe in like a egg and it has to be fertilized by three other people, which is a little weird. Um, I feel like their sexy times are not as sexy as they could be. (laughs) But the other thing you're hinting at, though, is their naming structure, which is, you know, you have a first name, you have a clan name. Right. Because they're supposed to be the warrior culture, and for some reason, warrior cultures, I guess they're not warrior cultures. They're very military, culturally. And they associate that with clans for some reason. And then they have, depending on, I think it's, is it their gender? They have like an SH or a TH before their clan name. Right. It's super cool because the prefix indicates their gender, right? So that the two feminine genders are Zen and Shen, so ZH and SH, and Jen's last name is Shireyan. So again, we're going to minutiae here, but what I'm trying to say is that the last name is in line with this soft canon, which indicates the gender before the clan name which is super cool yeah and i mean it's not that surprising given how much they've shown they are really aware of star trek not just in the alpha canon of what's seen on screen but also a lot of the beta and sometimes gamma canon yeah totally it's very cool (laughs) also funny thing about that that particular shot of the scoreboard it actually has the character images next to it and of course our friend boimler is the only one why isn't he smiling why isn't he smiling (laughs) would have been happy the day he got that picture taken i know right poor guy to serve on my ship (laughs) you got to think like there's like a photo day and you know he he could smile on the photo day come on boimler so let's talk about the uh, the drill names since we're already talking oh, about minutia and things you barely see on screen. Yes. So the cool thing, so I'm going to go through a list of these, and um, and some of them, I, maybe you have an, a better idea about the origin of, of them than I do, but a lot of them are just straight up episode names of like Star Trek episode yes. names. Super cool to see. Let's just run through these. There's three different shots where these show up, so um, there's quite a few of these. So Kobayashi Maru, obviously, obviously the unwillable scenario that first shows up in Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Time Trap, that is the episode name of an animated series yeah, episode. Real interesting episode, too. It's one of the earliest portrayals on screen of a Federation ship that was both a Starfleet military vessel and right. not a Constitution class. They enter into a oh, yes. pocket dimension where people have become trapped, and there is like this alliance of races running a like pseudo government. And one of the ships there is the ship, the Bonaventure, I believe is the name. That's really cool. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know that. Interesting. I have episode. to rewatch that one. Um, the next name is Triple Troubles. And of course, the original series episode is The Trouble with Tribbles. Yep. So and then we get basically uh, the episode name. a couple of follow ups in More Tribbles, More Troubles. And yes. then in DS9, they revisit <laughs> it in Trials and Tribulations. Trials, oh Trials and Tribulations. Talk about, right, talk about exactly. uh, Brain Fart there. Jeez, just went, went blank. <laughs> we got there eventually. But yes, that's a that's an obvious Tribbles one. The next one is From Q to Q. Yeah. I, um, and obviously there's a lot of Q episodes. I don't think that's our specific reference, I mean, is it? No, not really. But I mean, really the only episodes where you deal with like multiple Qs is in Voyager, where that's right. Q gets it on with another Q in the most unsexy sex scene ever put to film. That's correct. And then where Q <laughs> is desperately wanting to not murder another Q. That's right. So it's got to be something, it's got to be some kind of ethical scenario you, you think there. Could be. Or maybe they're just going to play soccer. We don't know. 
It's it's very possible with the little bounce animated bouncy ball. So the next one, Borg Encounter. So that's the one that Boimler gets put in. And I assume it's a first, first contact situation because the Borg Queen is there. Although I can see an argument for Borg Queen being there in like a best of both worlds scenario. Um, and I'm willing to bet it's just like an amalgamation of all the different encounters. Because even Voyager encountered the Borg. Yes. I want to wonder though, the person who plays the Borg... The Borg Queen, rather, in this episode. Is that yes. is that the same woman as was in... Yes. Okay, I didn't check the credits yes. like I should have. Yes, and there's a lot of actually crazy cameos in this episode. And yeah, since we're talking about it, yeah, they brought back Alice Cridge yeah. to voice the Borg Queen. I know they got... I know in Voyager, the Borg Queen is a different actress, but this is the one straight from First Contact. So if you think you've heard the voice before, you are definitely right. They brought back Alice Cridge for this guest spot. Super yeah. cool to and see. it's really interesting though in that encounter because like we see a lot of this encounter as Boimler goes through it multiple times. It's actually like a whole like spectrum of Borg stuff from Borg appearances, right? Yeah, they have like I think you're right. It's got to be a combination. Yeah, because the Borg visuals evolve over the series, and you can kind of see hints of original Borg appearances from TNG all the way up to their first contact and Voyager appearances, but. You also see the Borg baby drawer, which yes. you never see again after that episode. The original Q who you, you just don't see it again after that. And they go like full bore into the, you know, Borg only assimilate after that. And it's disappointing because that's just not like a sustainable cultural modus operandi. Yeah. Well, you know, let's hold on on an in-depth discussion of the Borg one because there is a ton of stuff that I want to cover over there. Yeah, you're right. We're supposed to... Yes, I definitely want to come back to the Borg stuff. But yeah, let's run through the rest of these drill names that we've seen on screen. So Cause and Effect, obviously a TNG episode of that name. Yeah, famously the uh, episode where Kelsey Grammer uh, attempts to destroy the Enterprise over and over and over again. Dude must just (laughs) not like Picard. No, definitely not. He's kind of a jerk in that episode, too. But yes, Cause and Effect is definitely there. Natural Selection uh, was the title of one. Um, I couldn't find an exact replica of that name as an episode name. Um, but TNG does have an episode called Unnatural Selection, which, I mean, it could be related. We, we don't really know. Could you oh, man. think of some yeah, kind of no. relationship there? I, I honestly wasn't sure, unfortunately. I, I yeah. couldn't think of a specific reference. Yeah. There are a lot of episodes of various series that touch on that theme but i don't think it's any specific reference yep. so if you guys know you know hit us up in the comments i'd definitely like to know if that's some kind of specific reference but the next one evolution that is also a tng episode yes, the one where wesley unleashes unspeakable evil on the ship in the form of nanites. <laughs> they were, they were nanites. wait 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 i thought wesley just just saved the ship i thought the, the boy genius just saved i, I the feel ship. like he did but didn't he save them from his own evil schemes oh he did both he endangered them and saved yeah. them that makes sense <laughs> um, the next one, Survival of the Fittest. Again, I couldn't find any specific reference for this one. And if, if you're a listener, if you know, you can tell us in the comments. But, I mean, again, this is a fairly, you know, I mean, this could be Herogen. Un- unclear, really. Yeah, you know, it might even be just there's an episode of Voyager called Survival. Who knows? Oh, yeah, it could be it. Probably not, though. Uh, Chain of Command, obviously the TNG episode of yeah, the same the, name uh, with your buddy Jellico. The, the famed Jellico episode, best episode in the series. <laughs> Everyone loves Jellico. That's what I'm getting from this. Yeah, and not to steal your thunder, but come on, McMahon, when you're bringing Jellico on board, Admiral Jellico, it could be a thing. Come on, take things over. <laughs> the next one, Hero Worship. 
That is from that is a teenage episode. Yeah, right? where Data gets a fan club. That's right. Yeah, the boy that he rescues wants to emulate. Which him. I don't know if you're aware of this, but that is like a weird theme throughout Star Trek. There's tons of episodes where there's some like orphan child that just starts obsessing over yes. a crew member. That glomps over yeah, upon, like, onto what, people, yeah. What's the deal with that? I feel like some of the writers probably have abandonment issues. You'll have to uh, tweet some of them and find out, maybe. Yeah. Or, you know, no, you don't have Twitter. Never mind. Yeah, I'm not allowed on Twitter. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's see, there's even more. Carbon-Based Units was the title of one, and I believe that's what V'ger calls... Yeah, that's V'ger's catchphrase. Uh, crew. Yeah, in the motion picture. Yeah. Carbon-Based Units. It's your favorite voice. Carbon-Based Units. <laughs> um, and then Naked Time shows up, and of course we're going to talk a lot more about about Naked Time. But that Can is that uh, ep- that toss episode. You know, we'll have to touch on it just a little bit. So the real question is: uh, <laughs> Are they going to release an X-rated, uncensored version of this episode? Oh dear, maybe it's one of those uh, DVD extras. Hopefully not. You'll get Let's the keep going. Versions. Okay, even more names: Whale Rescue, an obvious reference to the Voyage Home. Yes. I would think. Medical Ethics, I assume that's the one that Tendi experienced. That's after the TNG episode uh, called Ethics. With the exact, exact same plot, same there. plot um, where Worf, in a very warrior-like fashion, throws his back out, lifting heavy boxes, and yes. decides he must commit suicide because of it. Clay on yeah. culture, man. I just Tragic. don't get it. <laughs> the next one, Triple Infestation. It seems like kind of a, a rehash of Triple Troubles, yeah. but maybe it's different in some way. I'm not sure. Could be. It's hard to say. The next one, it's it's actually one of my favorites, Extreme Engineering. What is Extreme Engineering? I feel like this would make an amazing game show where like you have to <laughs> engineer some stuff while on a obstacle course of some variety. <laughs> or like I wish you could have seen that yeah. one. Yeah. Or like tonight our guests have to create a subwarp manifold all while being shot at by Kazon. <laughs> I love it. You know what? They should just make, make it that show. That's that's the spinoff we need. There we go. It's just called Extreme Engineering. Yeah. Star Trek Extreme Engineering. <laughs> this is my runner-up for the my for my favorite one. Teleportation death tag. I, I don't even know how. I don't know what work. this could mean. I don't know, but it sounds amazing. I wonder uh, if it, what that would entail. Maybe it's like I'm desperately curious. Tag where you're running around with uh, like transport pattern enhancers and you slap them on people and if you succeed they get uh, transported into space they get beamed out because <laughs> yeah, it's death tag so there's got to be death in there that's true i like that you just like i i feel like you're like you hoist the pattern enhancer like a javelin and you spear them with it and then it beams them out into space yeah i love that let's make that cha- let's make that happen let's do that episode come on all right we got only a few more left the one's called escape the void and I believe this has got to be a reference to the Voyager episode, The Void, where they go into the area of space with no stars. Yeah, Seems like most likely. I feel like there's been lots of voids in Star Trek, but that's got to be the reference. <laughs> if they're going for episode the one name, where refs, Janeway like has a mental breakdown and nobody really seems to care. You mean Tuvix? No, in The Void, Janeway has a mental breakdown <laughs> because there's no stars. Yes. Tuvix is where she murders somebody and everybody's just like, eh, okay, next episode. <laughs> oh god i guess we can't talk about tvix the next one the good of the many this is the one that rutherford experiences this is the the wrath of khan save the uh enterprise by going personally into the warp core did you notice anything weird about his outfit no gloves, no gloves. and at first i was like oh this is dumb and then later when you learn that the scenarios are sabotaged yes. makes perfect sense 
Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, obviously. And that's funny because when you think of the the film, when Spock goes in to repair the warp core, he's just wearing a standard uniform. And guess, But guess what he pulls off of Scotty is his gloves. Yeah. And guess what Rutherford needs in order to complete his mission is some gloves. And guess what he doesn't have? So I think you're completely yeah. right. That is how he gets sabotaged in that, in that particular uh, drill. But to close out, the drill names. The last one is called Time Loop, which, you know, again, I feel like kind of rehashes cause and effect possibly but i guess there's more than one time loop yeah. in star trek so could be the pseudo loop where picard keeps going back in time could be yes god what other series did time loops o'brien watching the station blow up over and over again that's right voyager yeah, could did be any time of loop, i bet right what episode am i not yeah. thinking of here oh god there's just so many time loops are just like the the sci-fi trope it's bread and like, butter man you name yeah. a sci-fi series and i bet you we can find a time loop in it totally they're, they're a classic. Cause and Effect, pretty much my favorite Star Trek episode. I love me some time loops. I've heard that about you. It was written on the bathroom <laughs> wall. Oh, dear. That's not good. Uh, but yeah, that's all of the drill names that I could pick out. Definitely cool to see some of the references there. Interesting thing about the drills is that how the lower deckers and the senior staff have to reverse roles, not only in the drills, but also like outside the drills, like their living situations and replicator situation and things like that. I'm still confused about why that is. Like, there's a shot where the senior officers are in, like, the hallway bunks. And they're like, ah, yeah, this is so great. We don't have responsibilities. Like, what? Like, why? Was that related to the drill somehow? I feel like this is just more evidence that Shari Yin Yam just didn't know what the hell she was doing. Well, you know, I mean, there's that whole idea of having greater respect for other people by walking a mile in their shoes. And even though you were once in their position... How long has it been? How much have things changed? Role reversal can be a useful key to that. I guess you're right. And if Captain Freeman and Mariner were right about it being like a team building exercise, then I could have seen that be, you know, more the truth. But once we find out the truth, which is, of course, you know, they're sabotaged so Sherry can, you know, become more relevant in her career again, then kind of makes a little bit less sense. I, I do love the fact that the senior officers seem to fail one of their scenarios simply by falling out of bed <laughs> yes <laughs> yes why is why are they brought out of bed by the red alert like red alert report to your training scenario although something cool that i did get out of that scene was the shacks and dr Taana relationship confirmed i'm into it whatever floats your boat dude hey i just want shacks after his near-death experience his near-death slash death experience to be happy yeah it wasn't a near-death experience it was an actual death experience <laughs> I just wanted to be happy, man. After after saving Baby Bear like that, he deserves some happiness. Let's talk more about some of these specific sims, because we get an up-close view on a lot of the training scenarios. First up is uh, Mariner's Mirror Universe sim, which is hilarious for a few different reasons. She runs into Billups and Rutherford, like Mirror Billups and Rutherford, as depicted in the scenario. And, you know, as we all know, Billups is not really a a sexual kind of guy but he's talking with rutherford about how uh torturing makes him horny and then you know horny makes him ready for torture and it's just kind of a vicious cycle definitely a kind of hilarious callback to the last episode where you know billups can't can't really seem to do anything he's he's he has he's in a relationship with the warp core man not not another person so having this like polar opposite billups is well, hilarious. Apparently now he's in a relationship with the torture chamber. Yeah, <laughs> correct. 
Equally as hilarious, perhaps even more so than that, is the fact that Phillips has facial hair everywhere except where he has facial hair in the in the prime universe so he has like this like chin strap abraham lincoln beard scenario going on Got the lincoln beard and shaved <laughs> the stash yes. which is hilarious because it's mirror billups yes so it's just a complete role reverse pretty amazing and hilarious and apparently the mirror universe people have tasers and that is definitely a a thing why not the mirror universe gets you, you don't want to kill your opponent you just want to keep him alive so you can torture him more yeah that's a good point in this first mirror universe sim when she is outed for being left-handed apparently right boimler his cry of discovery is the cry of the pod person at the end of the uh which 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 version of uh invasion of the body snatchers was that but it's that same cry yeah i wonder if they sampled that or whether they just recorded a new one because it sounded like boimler interesting just that, that same cry you think they just like sent jack quaid a queued up version of that film and was like make this sound please yeah or you know maybe he was just aware of it it's a pretty famous movie oh i i haven't seen it actually maybe yeah. I, maybe that's something i need to see that's really cool i didn't i didn't realize that reference that's a really cool thing to pick up but yes let's talk about mariner's second simulation which is the naked time scenario your favorite i know which so i, I want to know what the deal is because uh, yeah the whole it's callback to the original series and TNG yeah the naked time and the naked now and yep. in those episodes they it's effectively the crew is getting drunk right because of space magic right but people behave differently they start behaving erratically on the original Enterprise and Sulu gets a sword and people get hostile and mm-hmm. TNG you know people just like one person behaves like a child another gets well a number of them get super you know horny again right but in this one everybody just gets immediately immediately furthest into the <laughs> realm of horniness that you can yes and throw all cost to the wind like i get drunk i mean i'm drunk right now <laughs> but i don't immediately just take my clothes off <laughs> you know i feel like this is a a part of the, the drill instructor's sabotage it's got to be because she's obviously trying to get people to fail as quickly as possible. So I think this is very much a, you know, freak people out so they'll fail the sim type situation. But again, you know, I think kind of shows how Mariner is not as capable as she thinks she is. If she can't even <laughs> handle a little bit of unprepared for nudity. Yes, I definitely agree. But, you know, this this kind of scenario, which features like crew on the Cerritos that we know a i have i have many questions a you know is this a situation where like everything i mean are are all of the physical attributes like extrapolated or are they based on scans we don't know <sighs> just so many questions i i feel like you're going way too in depth on this <laughs> you know one actually detail i want to pick out is in that scenario where mariner is going into the i think it's the mess hall or the bar i can't remember yeah. which one and it's just like madness in there uh but billups you can see him in the background he's uh he's naked but he's like just on a yeah. pad just 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 hanging out just doing his thing chilling on his pad yeah you know and i think it's funny because if you juxtapose this with the mirror universe situation where it's like the polar opposite where billups is like horny for torture this is like the um baseline billups who's not horner horny for anything that's right 
Yeah, kind of interesting. I, I love to see that kind of character consistency, like that care being given to the character. But, you know, my final question is, Captain Freeman says later in the episode that all of the simulations are broadcast in public. So how terrible oh, is that boy. Yeah. <laughs> for this particular one? Can you imagine, like, you know, everyone, you know, who is in that? I mean, Ransom and, you know, Jen and, and her partner. How bad would... I feel like that would be the end of uh, the drone instructor's career right there, just by that becoming public. Oh, yeah. I, uh, oh, boy. I feel like, you know, there's a certain point where, like, you don't want to think about how Boimler is depicted in this shot, so I we don't even have to go there. Like, but... Yeah, I, I feel like half the drills we see should have gotten this woman fired a long time ago. <laughs> She's obviously incompetent. We could put it that way. All right, well, let's move on to Tendi's simulation where she is recreating the plot from TNG's episode uh, called Ethics where she is expected to help the Klingon who has <laughs> hurt his back picking up a peanut to kind of commit suicide. And when I was watching this, I was like, wow, really? Like, And she's confused too. Like, She has to make him suffer. Um, and I was like, that can't be right. But of course, that's got to be part of the sabotage too, right? The fact that she can't she can't do it correctly i feel like this is the least cut and dried of all of them yeah definitely What's the right thing to do that is very morally questionable which of course is the part of the theme of the tng episode yeah especially since you have like no character background on this dude he's just a random yeah, clean on guy your bed right like maybe do some research first yeah figure out whether he's jumping the gun or not yeah yeah definitely definitely strange to think about uh, but what, one other fun thing I picked out about this one is this is another situation where Tendi just magically gets a blue coat, like a doctor, like a Doctor Crusher coat. Yeah, it's like well, because she's the chief medical officer. That's right. But this is becoming like censors, where I'm going to start picking out every single time where Tendi is wearing a blue this medical coat. This isn't like censors, man. This is like <laughs> you in the white shoes. This is what is it with you in fashion? I don't know, man. I feel like this show has made me discover something about myself. But, uh, but yeah, the coat shows up and, you know, in real life, in, uh, you know, on the show, she also has a coat sometimes, but she never ha- is wearing it when she's like doing her job in sickbay, I feel like. So very strange. The tendy, the tendy, uh, blue doctor coat shows up here. Very odd. Let's move on to, uh, yet more Sims. Mariner's third and final Sim, the old West, where she gets trampled by the horse because she doesn't know how to handle this. Obviously sabotage because she's Maverick. She, she gets along with horses. But I think there's a joke here that's outside of the show. Um, I believe, and I've read this, it's kind of unconfirmed. Maybe somebody that knows better can correct us in the comments. But I've heard Tawny Newsom, the voice actress for Mariner, has had many years of writing lessons. And I think that is like the outside of the show joke here. Is like She's had some experience riding horses and this would never happen. Oh, I mean, and that's probably... Oh, wait, no. They specifically said that the horses weren't sabotaged. Oh, that's right. Makes no sense. <laughs> that's right. That's right. She's just bad at horses, maybe. I, I'm just going to lay that down to the drill instructor being a capital B. Yeah, I think you're right. Let's see. Rutherford stuff we talked about. So let's talk about Boimler's scenario, which I think there's the most to dig into. Is it just me or is Boimler just a complete badass now? Like he knows his stuff. Like this has become a theme that is popping up more and more this season. Uh, the Boimler knows what he's doing. You know what? I don't know if it's necessarily that, but yeah, sometimes he is on top of things and other times he's freaking out. But this is a perfect example, though, of he's definitely much more physically proactive and he's using the knowledge he has. So this is, he was well prepared for this. He knows all about the Borg. 
Yeah, it is freaking great. Like, I love everything about this particular scenario. I, I don't know if you picked this out, but, like, during a lot of the Borg stuff, the music playing is, like, a very much inspired by the Best of Both Worlds soundtrack, which is very distinctive. Like, I can remember it from back when that episode aired many years ago now. Very cool to hear, like, Best of Both Worlds-inspired music happening there. The music, the plotting, it was all pretty good. Like, like we mentioned previously, it's just tons of visual references to previous appearances by the borg yeah it's this big combination of uh like borg episodes let's see yeah we got the borg babies from q who we've got the borg queen you know alice courage coming back from first contact and borg queen character at least from voyager and stuff like that i love how he just goes hit me like he's playing blackjack or something (laughs) completely amazing i I do love the fact though that he like won't accept it's even it's a passing grade right and he won't accept it (laughs) <laughs> and I also love the fact that even in the face of everything being sabotaged, Boimler still comes out on top. I feel like it would be hard to like make a Borg scenario even harder, but yes. apparently it's been sabotaged and, and he's still kicking ass. You know, in a callback to the Data Borg Queen interactions from First Contact, <laughs> the Borg Queen is convinced that Boimler is, is not a real person because of his skin. And she's yes. like, ooh, you need to drink more water. I feel like this isn't the first time we've heard these things about Boimler. Yeah, did we just hear this from in the last episode from Jeffrey Combs' character? Like, oh, man, yeah. I feel like that's where it's, it's coming from. He's like, man, you got to so, like, drink more water or something. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if this is going to become a thing or if it's going to be like all robots comment on that. <laughs> you know, I'm sticking to my theory that Boimler is still not entirely human because of the purple hair that we we talked about many episodes ago now. I think you're reaching. My conspiracy theory out there is that he's part, he, he could be mostly human and maybe he said, maybe that's why he says it, but. There's still my theory out there that he's he's not totally human. He's He's got some other DNA in there that's giving him the purple hair. I'm sticking to it. Funny thing, when Boimler throws, if you recall, he like remodulates his phaser by hand. And he eventually like throws it at one of the Borg. Minor nitpick, I, he says yoink when he throws the phaser. I feel like he meant yeet. That's like the wrong like Gen Z slang. Gotta fix that. Yoink is definitely not an appropriate thing. <laughs> when you're throwing something? Yoink is... Yeah, Yoink is theft, right? That's right. And maybe it's just part of the Boimler character where he says the wrong Y word. But he makes up yeah. for it in the rest of the simulations. Like, coming out to the escape sphere or the runabout, like, with ten baby Borg tethered to him and a bunch of other Borg with him. Just hilarious. Which, you know, for me, that's the big takeaway from this episode, is the baby Borg. And I think if there is any new Star Trek we need... It's it's Borg Babies, the uh, cartoon for children. Oh, I feel like this is something I would watch as an adult man. Interesting. Well, how would it? What would the show be like? It, it'd be about Borg babies trying to assimilate. Why their nanny tries to keep them in the playpen. <laughs> They've got like a. Come on, dude! This thing writes itself. <laughs> so th- this would be like Voyager, where they have the Borg kids, except they're all babies, and like some like combination of school teachers and security officers are trying to keep them in their playpen without like assimilating the ship or something. I'm thinking more like Muppet Babies, oh. only with alien zombie cyborgs. <laughs> I love it. Maybe we should do I, an episode all about do. that. Everybody would. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Cue it up, baby. <laughs> I feel like we we may be the next show on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> Forget Star Trek Prodigy, a show for kids. We're going to make our own show for kids with Borg Babies, and it's going to be great. I'd watch it. <laughs> 
Back to a simulation. So, of course, Boimler, he's trying to delay getting out of the sim to give Mariner and Freeman time to freak out uh, Sherry, of course. But And we'll get to that in a little bit. But his Borg name, Excretus. So I did a little bit of research. And if you if you don't know out there, Locutus, Picard's Borgified name, has a Latin meaning. And it's, it's, it's a, like, I think it's, I believe it's defined as uh, having spoken or speaking. And the Latin definition of Excretus is separated strangely which makes it could have some different meanings there i feel like boimler is only one of two boimlers he could be separated from the other boimler i'm not really sure what else it could mean though i don't think that's the uh reference they're trying to make but you know what it's probably better than the reference i think they're trying to make (laughs) that he's uh some excretion i i don't think it's yeah yeah i'm just i'm trying to (laughs) i'm trying to make it work I, I feel like the name works on two levels. There is the lol excretion definition, but also the highbrow, like I speak Latin, and it means separated. So I think it works on both levels, which is fine. Uh, anything else that stood out to you for as far as the Boimler-Borg subplot there is the simulation he gets stuck in? Just so much good stuff there. Uh, you know what? I do love the fact that he kind of gets forgotten about <laughs> after a while, and when they do go to rescue him, holy crap, this is another example of these simulations being going off the rails terrible yeah yeah he gets assimilated that's like and that doesn't fail the simulation picard and seven both suffered long-term mental trauma from their assimilation it was literally of all the things picard went through and he went through a lot yeah that was the thing that broke him yep and when they rescue boimler they're all just like oh everything's great and he's all like oh god (laughs) <laughs> Mariner's just like, uh, you need a drink, buddy. And, and Boimer's just like, I have permanent psychological damage. Yeah, but you know what? He's joining the club. Uh, we got Tendi, uh, what, a few episodes back? Rutherford has been given the secret knowledge of the dead. That's right. We just need to wait for uh, Mariner's turn. <laughs> she, I bet suddenly part of her top secret past has something to do with that. <laughs> so I, I have noticed something, though. All of the like higher-ranking characters in Star Trek, and they show it here too, they're all possessed of this incredible mental fortitude. Right. And I noticed something. O'Brien was a chief, right? Lowest ranking of the low. Like, not even in the normal hierarchy right. of uh, officers. Yeah, enlisted. Yeah. Our, our crew here is lower decks people. Right. Is that why all the senior officers are possessed of such incredible mental fortitude they just spend their whole trip through the lower levels getting tortured over and over again (laughs) until they can just endure it or they wash out oh no i think it's very plausible based on this episode getting a little dark in here buddy (laughs) something we'll have to keep keep an eye on as uh, we follow the careers of all the lower deckers in the show yeah it seems like a rite of passage like you have to get some mental scarring before you can rank up there's some kind of prerequisite there Jeez. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that's it for as far as the simulations go. But of course, you know, we have to have Mariner and Captain Freeman come in and team up to save the day. And it was cool to see them join forces at the end to to kind of show the incompetent drill instructor her place. I thought it was really neat. Uh, There's some cool things where they're, you know, bouncing between threatening thing after thing, like the crystalline entities. Apparently there are a bunch more out there and they're really easy to find. And they just are eating planets and no one cares. And anyone can just warp right out to them and, no, and they don't care. So so here's my question about the crystalline entity, though. 
Picard had never seen one before. The crew had never seen one before. Right. There was an implication that there was no record of such an entity. Right. So, at the end of that episode, the crystalline entity gets destroyed, right? Yes. I'm wondering if maybe they just didn't think through the potential ramifications of shattering an entity made of crystals. Ooh. Seems like that would just lead to a whole lot of little crystals. <laughs> and then each and one eats a planet. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Completely feasible to me. I love the implication, though, that for the most part, the Federation just ignores them. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the little baby crystals or all the new crystals aren't that threatening and they found some way to communicate with them and... Like, they had that technology in TNG that they were using to communicate. Maybe they just, ah. you know, tell them to... Maybe they raised away. them not to eat people. Yeah, there you go. They're like little pets now. The they space, space they pets. started a crystalline nursery. There you go. I love it. Uh, but I love the shot in the bar after they, like, are out of danger from the crystalline entity. Like, everyone's staring out the window. And then they escape, and they're like, all right. And they just go back to doing whatever yeah. it is they're doing. I thought that was hilarious. They're trying to make oh this point that, <laughs> that they're always in danger, but plays into the whole theme of the episode too completely yeah last thing i wanted to call out though is when they are going to the the next piece of danger which is the black hole i i want hopefully you can confirm this but you know the effects that everyone's suffering from as they get close to the black hole is that from the motion picture when they go through the wormhole is that what the reference oh, yeah, 100%. there okay yep <laughs> activate photon torpedoes <laughs> Torpedo <laughs> So good. That was great. You know what, I, that, that is my favorite movie of all of the Star Trek movies, but oh god, that scene, it's hard to watch. <laughs> wow. It does not jive with any of the rest of Star Trek canon. <laughs> You're a brave man saying that's your favorite Star Trek film. I feel like the internet was something to say. I got mental that. fortitude. There I was Benson for a decade. <laughs> Anyway, what else do we have here? Oh, one thing I oh, I should have talked about it earlier when we were talking about Tendi's Klingon simulation. But there's a cameo in that uh, in that scene. I don't know if you uh, if you've seen this actor. Um, his name is Mark Evan Jackson. He's from Brooklyn Nine Nine and The Good Place. Brooklyn Nine Nine. He plays uh, the captain's husband, and um, I haven't seen The Good Place, but I know he has a fairly prominent role in there. He plays as one of the nurses in the Klingon simulation, where he goes, you know. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a devil or is a demon in the good place. Right, oh, right. That's right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So it's super uh, cool. To I feel see like that he's cameo. done more than that. That's just his recent yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, That's like what I. I, I did not even. Was. I did not even catch that. Yeah, right super hard. I I spotted the name in the guest credits and I was like, really? And I had to kind of go, go down this Google rabbit hole to find him. But yeah, he's definitely in this episode. Very cool to see that level of uh, of cameo. Yeah, it's always it's always hard to tell cameos like in yeah. animated series, especially when you just you don't know voices that well. Yeah, and they always do something to voices in animated series, like something about their their audio levels they do to them and mm. the sound effects, where just people sound very differently, even when they're just doing their own voices. I don't know why that is. Yeah, strange. But yeah, it's it's cool to see. Uh, it's cool to see. I hope they continue getting some like random cameos in this show. It keeps interesting. Yeah. But gosh, I think that's that's it. That's all I had to talk about. Is there anything that we're missing that you want to cover? You know, we did at one point mention the crate stacking scene. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's funny because these crates are seen everywhere. They're always that weird shape that just wouldn't stack well at all. Right. Shax <laughs> calls it out, you know. Why would they be shaped like this if they wanted us to stack them? Right. <laughs> well, if you pay attention to any of the background cargo bay scenes throughout the series... There's always that shape in the wall 
Yeah. They're not just supposed to be sitting out there. Ooh. They go into these recesses in the walls. Oh, interesting. So I, didn't I don't realize know why that. they're stacking them. Cerritos yeah. is just apparently a dumb ship for dumb people. <laughs> That's a common thing lately, too, is they have the Lower Deckers just stacking stuff in cargo bays. Sounds like a sad job, especially yeah, when the, sh- like a... the ship is being attacked by Klingons and or Jemadar or Q's or whatever it's in that particular <laughs> scene. Like, Q, it makes sense. Go about your business. But, like, I feel like if you're under attack, maybe all hands on deck. Yeah. Give everyone a phaser. Stop stacking them crates. Put down the mop. Stop cleaning that toilet with your toothbrush. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not a space captain hero. I'm just a guy that's drank too much. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, how's your drink looking right now? You know what? Coming to an end. It's looking non-existent at this point. So, I think it's time we called it a night. Indeed. But you can always catch us again next week for our review of episode 9. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Lower Dorks. Or... If you're looking for a more inspiring presentation, you can check out Craigslist and search for one lonely corporate motivational speaker in a desperate need of someone to give questionable advice to. Is it me? Come on, man. You know it's you. It's always been you. <laughs> <laughs>